Uh, from Adam to this very present day, our God has been looking for a people who will commit their lives to him in complete trust and confidence. God has always had a select few all through history who were totally in confidence with him, totally committed to him. Men such as Abraham, Noah, Enoch, Caleb, Joshua. There's a whole catalog of men listed in the Old Testament. But he's still looking for a people, a body of people. He's always had select individuals, but he has never yet found a whole body of people that will trust him explicitly. God had great hopes, I believe, for such a people when he chose Israel to be a special people. The Bible says, unto himself. God chose Israel to be a people unto himself. The scripture says, For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God, speaking of God choosing Israel. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all the people that are on the face of the earth. Know therefore that the Lord thy God is faithful. He will love thee. He will bless thee. Folks, these are some incredible promises he gave this special people because he was looking for people who could, who could take his promises, stand upon it, and learn to live their lives wholly committed unto him. No fear, no anxiety could live their whole days without fear because they would lean on his promises. They would trust in him. I will multiply thee. The Lord will take away from thee all sickness. Thou shalt not be afraid of thine enemies. The Lord thy God shall deliver thee. The Lord thy God is among you, a mighty God and terrible, able to do wonders. There shall no man be able to stand before thee all thy days. No enemy is going to stand before you. Now, folks, those are incredible promises. That should be enough to take anybody through life. God delivered his chosen out of bondage in Egypt. He led them out into the wilderness. And folks, when they got to the wilderness, there were no lights. You go out in the wilderness and you'll know what pitch darkness is. But the Bible said he gave a pillar of a cloud through the day to lead them. And then that warm glow pillar of fire at night to give them light. That's what the Bible said. The, the cloud at night was to light up a warm glow over the whole camp of comfort. They didn't have to be... God was so concerned about his people trusting that he even gave them a warm glow at night. No pitch darkness. Incredible love and care of the Father for his children. They're led to the uh, by the cloud to the edge of the Red Sea. And sometime in the middle of the night, God spoke to Moses and he said, I'm going to bring Pharaoh down upon you and upon the children of Israel. And I'm bringing him down. And he got this secret message. The children of Israel didn't hear it. But he heard it. He said, I'm going to deal with Pharaoh once and for all. And the children of Israel come to the Red Sea. They're led by the cloud right to the edge of the Red Sea. And the people see Pharaoh's army marching toward them. And they cry together in unison to Moses, Did you bring us out here to die because there were no graves in Egypt? Didn't we beg you to leave us alone? Why did you bring us out here to die? It would have been better for us to be slaves back in Egypt. There was no faith. They had seen all of the miracles of the plagues. They had seen God bring forth this incredible cloud by day and the fire by night. It's an incredible sign. And they still didn't believe. And here they are now. Remember what God promised them? He said, no man, no enemy can stand before you. The Lord shall deliver you. 
You shall not be afraid of your enemies. The Lord is with you and among you to do wonders. I'm going to ask you a question here now. In light of all the plagues, all the miracles they'd seen, in light of the uh, firstborn dying except in their own home and the blood was applied to the lintel of their doors, they see this miracle, the miracle of being delivered, the miracle of being taken out of the bondage after 400 years. In light of that miracle, what time is it? It was time to trust the Lord. Did they trust the Lord? Scripture says, Our fathers understood not the wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but they provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. They provoked him. They did believe God for a short while. The Scripture says, He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the sea. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then they believed his words and they sang his praises. Oh, they believed him for three days. Three days. They're at the waters of Mara now and the waters are so bitter they can't touch them. The scripture said the children of Israel began crying, what shall we drink, Moses? Would to God we had died. They're always wanting to die. They're always saying, why didn't you let us die? Would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in Egypt. When we sat by the flesh pots, we did eat to the full. So God rained angels' food down on them. They got manna every morning. Then God said, I have heard their murmurings. Now speak unto them, Moses, that every one of them this evening shall eat flesh. And that same night, that same evening, the Bible said quails came up and covered the camp. I mean, the quail were falling on the tents. They couldn't walk anywhere. You couldn't walk one step without stepping on quails. Uh, east wind had brought a whole uh, powerful group of quail, and they were falling in the camp. Nobody was shooting them down. They fell. They just fell dead. Incredible miracle. And they go on to the next stop, to Rephidim. And the scripture says, and there was no water at Rephidim for the people to drink. And here they go again. Give us water, Moses. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us? Our children, our cattle with thirst. Here they are wanting to die again. Beloved, let's stop and think about it now. In light of the ten plagues, in light of the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night, in light of the Red Sea opening up and they walk over on dry ground, in light of the bitter waters of Merrill, and Moses throws a tree and sweetens the water, th thirst to satisfy, quails come and fill the camp and they get all the flesh they want to eat. In spite of all that, what time is it? Time to trust the Lord. It's time to trust the Lord. Again, they failed the Lord. He's still looking. He's still searching. When will these people ever believe me? When will they trust me? And even Moses now has his doubts. Once again, the people begin to lust for flesh. They, they got all the manna. They got the quail. And then the quail stopped for a while and they got tired of the manna. The children of Israel wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? In other words, we want meat. We remember the fish we did eat in Egypt free. We got it for nothing, in other words. 
But our soul now is dried away. There's nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. And Moses had had it up to here. Moses goes to the Lord and said, Thou hast laid a burden of this people upon me. Where am I going to find flesh to give over to this people? As if he was going to do it. Where am I going to do? Am I going to kill all the cattle? And even then it wouldn't be enough. I am not able to bear all the people alone because it is too heavy for me. And if you're going to treat me this way, kill me, I pray thee, at once. These people want to die all the time. Even Moses said, Lord, I can't go on. I, I want to go home. Take me home. Now tell me you haven't said that in a crisis. Lord, I'd rather die than go through what I'm going through. Where are you, God? How many of you have been praying that too long now? God, kill me, kill me, take me. All right, here they are. Here's Moses. Now, let's talk about Moses for light. In, in light of all that he's heard, the burning bush, in light of all of the plagues that he's seen and the hand of God, in light of the secret word from God that Pharaoh's come and he stands there and watches all his enemies destroyed, God leads him to a tree miraculously and he throws it in the water and he sees the miracle. He prays and the quail come. He sees all of these miracles in light of all of that, here is Moses saying, God, if I'm going to have to go on carrying the burden of this people, I want you to kill me. I want you to strike me dead right on the spot, right now. Now, in light of all that God has done for this man, what time was it for Moses? It was time to trust the Lord. And Moses, even dear Moses, failed. God's still looking for a people. Now, what about the children of these people? These, this generation died in the wilderness. They died in unbelief, the scripture says. There was a rest that was offered them, and the Bible said they could not enter in because of rest. The Bible said uh, that they did not enter in because they uh, had unbelief. They didn't mix the word they heard with faith. Now, God has a new start with a new generation. Perhaps this generation will trust the Lord. It's time for somebody to trust the Lord. So the Lord comes and makes fresh promises to this generation. He's saying to them, you don't have to listen to your fathers how the Red Sea opened. I'm going to open the Jordan to you. You don't have to base your faith on what you heard from your fathers. I'm going to give you miracles in your generation so that you'll trust me. And the Lord came with this message from Joshua. Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. The Lord your God hath given you rest. He's given you this land. So they go to the Jordan, and the Jordan opens up, just as the Red Sea. And the Lord your God did it again as to the Red Sea. He said, as the miracle to your fathers of the Red Sea, now you see my power. You see my miracle-working power. And God kept his word to this generation. And the Lord gave them rest round about, according to all that he swore unto their fathers. There stood not a man of all their enemies before them. The Lord delivered all their enemies into their hand. There failed nothing of any good thing which the Lord had spoken unto the house of Israel. All came to pass. God did not fail. Everything he promised was fulfilled. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua. 
who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. But another generation arose, and that generation was gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation which knew not the Lord, and not yet nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers. For a very short time, a very limited time, there, there, there was a period of a half-hearted trust. But there was not a steadfast generation holding on to their trust in God. God still was looking for a people who would trust him, enter into that rest. Amazing. Now, even throughout all the times of the judges... There's Othniel, Deborah, Gideon, Abimelech, Tola, Jair, and a whole line of judges. And then, of course, came the prophets, uh, came the judges, and then the kings. And all that you heard through the time of the judges was, and well, let me, let me read it to you. The hand of the Lord was against them for evil, and the Lord raised them up judges. Then the Lord was with those judges and delivered them. And it came to pass, when the judge was dead... They returned right back to their corrupted ways of their fathers. They ceased not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. And you read through the period of the, the judges, and it says, And there was a righteous judge, and they had peace for 20 years. And God rose up another judge, and they had peace for 30 years. And there was one judge that gave peace for 40 years. But as soon as he died, they went right back to their stubbornness. There was no faith in God. And finally, it ends up that every man does what is right in his own eyes. There came a time then they appointed kings. And the reason they appointed kings is because they didn't trust the Lord. The Lord had been their guide. Now they're crying, God save the king. God save the king. An act of rebellion, an act of unbelief, blatant unbelief that they should have kings rather than to follow the Lord himself. And from King Saul... All the way to the birth of Christ, there's not a single generation that entered into that rest of faith that fully trusted the Lord. They could not enter in because of unbelief. The word preached to them did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. They to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. There is still, up to the time of Christ, an unclaimed rest. Even up to the time of the birth of Jesus, our Heavenly Father is still looking for a body of people who will trust Him. Absolutely trust Him. Well, what about His disciples? Surely, they trusted the Lord. They were with Him for three years walking this earth. Didn't Jesus finally, didn't the Lord find a group of men, a body who would trust Him completely? Beloved, the truth is that the Lord was absolutely dumbfounded and flabbergasted by their doubt and fear. His own men. You go with me into the wilderness and you'll see 5,000 people before him, not counting uh, wives and children. 5,000 people. And the Lord's performing great miracles before these disciples. The lame are walking. The cripples are leaping. The blind are seeing. The deaf and the dumb are speaking and seeing. Miracle after miracle. And they sit there and the Lord says, I will not send them away. They're hungry. There could have been 10,000 people, including the children and the wives. And the Lord says, feed them, feed them. These disciples who had seen 
Jesus raised the, the ruler's daughter from the dead. They had talked to that woman that had been raised from the dead, the daughter, they had touched her. They, they had marveled and they looked at this corpse. They had, they had literally talked to corpses been raised from the dead. They had seen cripples leaping. They had seen the blinded eyes stop. Those who were born blind from birth. And here they are now saying, we have but five loaves and two fishes. And Jesus said, they need not depart. Give you them to eat. Now, why would Jesus say to his disciples, look out there, there, there are 10,000 people, go feed them. When he knows that there's only five loaves and two fishes. Why would he say, because I believe Jesus was still looking for that faith. I was, I believe that Jesus was saying, surely these men have seen that I am God. They've seen the miracles that I've done. Surely they believe that I can do anything. That, that a miracle is possible here. Even in the feeding of this multitude, he was looking for some evidence of faith in these disciples. Folks, in light of all the miracles these men have seen, in light of having spent almost three days here with him now, seeing miracle after miracle until the people praise God and wonder in excitement about what this man is doing, knowing that he's the Son of God, uh, only the Son of God could have done this. In light of all of these, he's standing here now before them and he's saying, feed them. What time is it? Did they trust the Lord? No, folks, this miracle, they give Jesus the loaves and the fishes, and folks, Jesus keeps breaking, he blessed, keeps breaking, and that loaf keeps growing. And they see it. And they are carrying these baskets. Now, these baskets were big baskets. Folks, and they are, they're, this had to take all day long. Folks, we had a church picnic. Remember, there were about 5,000 people showed up, and I helped serve food. To 5,000 people. And folks, I couldn't handle it anymore. I was pouring the, the, uh, potato salad. And my hand couldn't handle it anymore. I, I put out hundreds and hundreds of dips of potato salad. Just trying to be a servant to the body. And folks, if you were there at that picnic, I began to, I, I began to see, we, we had probably 150, no more than that, over 200 serving all together with the boys from the farm. We had over 200 people serving, and it took us hours. It had to be hours of just collecting it, passing it out. They're sitting down, and folks, at the end, they take up 12 baskets full of hunks of bread and hunks of meat, fish. And they're, they're experiencing this miracle. They're a part of this miracle. And they're still not understanding it. How many times has God performed a miracle for you and said, I'll never doubt him again? And how quick you forget it. Some of you have lived a miracle. You've experienced a miracle. Your miracle of salvation, the miracle of God changed you. You know what you used to be like? You were a devil. You couldn't be lived with. You are mean, you are angry, you're full of sin and lust, and now look at you. God's still working on you, but you know what you were? <laughs> Let's go a few days later. See, Jesus gets in a boat now, and they, they uh, go across to another area. Now he's by the Sea of Galilee, and he's on a mountainside. And this is just a short time later. It's just days later. There's 4,000 people there now. 
4,000 people. The Bible said the lame, the blind, the dumb, the crippled, and many others were cast at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Incredible. The multitude wondered when they saw the dumb speak, and the crippled made whole, and the lame were made to walk, and the blind made to see, and they glorified the God of Israel. And the disciples are there marveling at what their master is doing. Incredible. And Jesus turns to them and said, These have been with me three days. Here we go again. Three days. He said, I'm not going to send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Feed them. Here we go again. In, in, in light of all the dead that have been raised, all the miracles they've seen. Now, this is the second great revival meeting, this great healing crusade. Uh, and I say that in, a, in the right context. This is a tremendous healing meeting and the, everyone is being healed. What an excitement in that place. And they had just seen a miracle. They had just picked up 12 baskets of fragments. 10,000 at least had been fed. 5,000 plus children and wives. They'd seen the miracle. And here they are. What time is it? Did they? Here's what they said. Where shall we find so much bread in this wilderness as to feed so great a multitude? And folks, I read that, and you know what? I want to jump into that scene. I want to jump back into history. I want to jump in, and I want to stand right in the middle of those disciples, and I want the Spirit of God to come on me, and I want to grab one of them lovingly but firmly and look him in the eye and say, Hey, you just fed 5,000, and you just picked up 12 baskets. You just saw the dead raised. What do you mean, what are we going to do? You'd think one of them would have said, oh, I know what we're going to do. We're going to get baskets. We've got seven loaves this time, Master. You fed 5,000 with five. got seven now. We'll get the basket. No sweat. We know what we're going to do. Do it again, Lord. No one. But wait a minute. Lord, tell me I don't have to go back in that scene. He said, David, you just look in your own heart. You're going to find out you're just like the disciples. We are just like the disciples. All of the great things he's done in our Christian experience, miracle after miracle. They're not a Christian in this building and hadn't seen many miracles. You've had answered prayers. God has been faithful. I tell you, you can't stand here this morning or sit in this church as a Christian and tell me to my face that God hasn't kept his word to you. He has kept every word, every promise he's made to you. And here you are in a crisis again and you're doubting him. They fed the multitude. They take up seven baskets, pieces of bread and fish. And then Jesus says, let's get in a boat. And this time they go to Magdala and they're in another, they're heading for another wilderness. And I don't know what they did with those seven baskets because this is just a few hours later. I don't know what they did. They had seven baskets of fish and bread. But Mark says that they only took one loaf. And they go to the other side. And as soon as they get to the other side... The disciples, now I don't know how much faith had been inspired by this last feeding. I would hope that there was faith just bursting in these disciples now. But when they get to the other side, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are waiting. 
And they, they said, when they got to the side of the Pharisees also with the Sadducees, came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now, according to Jewish uh, tradition, uh, the, the tradition held that a sign from heaven was the only way to determine whether someone was sent from God. And when the Messiah comes, he will show a sign from heaven that he is the Messiah. And they are standing there in front of the disciples and in front of Jesus, and they're saying, if you're really the Messiah, if you're really the Son of God, show us that sign that our Father said you have to show. And I'll tell you what, those, those Pharisees and Sadducees are not a bit interested in seeing a sign. They know Jesus won't do it. And they know that if he did it, they wouldn't believe him anyhow. Because uh, the devil's not after Jesus. He's after the faith of the disciples. He's trying to plant a seed of doubt in the heart of those disciples. And, and uh, the disciples, I know what's happening inside because the context of the story shows that those Sadducees and Pharisees had planted doubts in the heart. And here's the way they probably thought, oh yes, we've seen all these signs, but they're earthly signs. There's not been a sign from heaven. Could he be the son of God? Where is that sign from heaven? Because tradition seeped into their spirit. They were being leavened by that doubt. That doubt was leavening them. And Jesus knows what's in their heart. And he said, disciples, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees. And they turn around and said, oh, it's because we forgot bread. We forgot bread. He's chastising. He's lovingly rebuking us because we've been careless. We forgot bread. You'd think one of them would say, hey, wait a minute. He fed 5,000 with five. He fed 4,000 with seven. Here's one. Wouldn't this be enough to keep 13 of us? There was no faith. Doubt. Folks, what time was it? It was time to trust the Lord. What's it going to take? And now I know what what is in the heart of Jesus. He said, I, I, I wonder if they even believe that I am the son of the living God, that I am God in flesh. So he, he starts by saying, who do people say that I am? And they say, he said, well, some say you're prophet and some say you're Elijah and so forth. And then he got to the issue. He said, but whom do you say that I am? Who am I to you? That was the time. That was the time to trust God. Thank God Peter rises above the leaven of the Pharisees. He rises above all the doubts and the fears. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. He made the confession. That's what Jesus, Jesus got so excited. He, he said, oh, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, Peter. That came from the Father. He was looking, he was so anxious to hear the response of faith. Beloved, let's talk about you and me now. Let's talk about this day. God is still looking for a people who will learn to trust him. I don't see much of that in the church of Jesus Christ in these last days. I hear a lot of talk about faith, a lot of teaching about faith, but every day practical walk of Christians, there is not much evidence of people resting in his keeping power. Because we get, we, we get worried, we get frightened, we walk in fear and anxiety all the days of our life. We have seasons of rest, but our life is one crisis after another. 
one seesaw of faith, up and down, up and down, hot and cold. Jesus is still looking. Let me talk to you for just a few moments. From what I see in my own heart, and what I see in many Christians all around me, we like to believe that we trust Him. And I have been severely uh, dealt with in my spirit by the Holy Ghost. In fact, I didn't even know if I was going to preach this. I was just going to take it to my own heart. But then the Lord told me to share it with His body. Because God's been dealing with me about seasons of unbelief. When, when, when there are things that happen that are beyond our comprehension. When, when, when there are crises and, and when there are things that overwhelm us. And when answered prayers, uh, unanswered prayers go on and on and on for a season and we don't understand it. And then those doubts begin to come into our hearts. And that's what God's dealing with me about. He said, I have been looking for a people who will trust me at all times, who will commit the keeping of their lives into my hands. Let, let me let me go down a list with you for just a moment. When you are trapped in a snare of Satan, let's talk about you and me, and you are trapped. You were delivered out of a sin, but somehow the devil ensnared you, and you're back in the devil's trap, and then you're haunted by the scripture that says he's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before his throne with exceeding great joy. And you say, well, I have already fallen. I have given in to temptation. And you are struggling. You're caught in that net. And the more you struggle, the more you get in mess. And you're bleeding and your wing is crippled. And you're that little bird that was caught in a snare. What time is it? It's time to trust the Lord. The more that bird struggles, I preached it last week, the more that bird struggles, the more messed it gets. Tear the snare and set you free. Glory be to God. If you'll trust Him. Your finances are a mess. Your bills are piling up. And you seem to be losing ground. There seems to be no end to your struggle. You can't get your head above the waters. You don't see much hope ahead. You get discouraged and worried. No one seems to be able to help. And folks, I know this to be a fact that there are many of you sitting here right now. And, and you look down the road and you're losing ground financially and say, well, where am I going to be a year from now or two years from now? I know the people that are coming to us and, and begging or uh, asking for prayer. They say, I'm, I'm behind on my rent two months, three months. I'm going to lose my apartment. And there are people that are unemployed. And some have been unemployed a long time and they say, we can't find a job. And our finances are growing worse. What time is it? It's time to trust the Lord. Not just in words. But saying, Lord, though you slay me, I'm going to trust you. That was Job's testimony. God has a way of seeing you out. He may test you. He may try you. But he said, I've, David said, I'm old and gray. I've yet to see God's seed beg for bread. You will not be a beggar for bread. God miraculously will come. I believe that if you hold on by faith, oh, you'll, it, it, you'll come to the end of yourself. It'll look absolutely hopeless. It'll look like there's no way out. And then suddenly God intervenes. Hallelujah. For those who put their trust in Him. You've got troubles. Sickness. You've got troubles at home. Trouble on the job. Maybe trouble in a business. You've prayed. 
you're not living in compromise. You love the Lord dearly, compassionately. But you're going through a great testing. You don't understand why. There are many of you here that are going through that. You're being tested as you've never been tested in all your life. Now you can sit here and you can praise the Lord and and, and you look just uh, like everything is fine. It doesn't show on your face because you hide it. But deep inside, if people knew what you're going through, it would be a heavy, heavy burden to bear. Just you telling it to somebody. And there are some of you, even while I'm talking, while you sit here now listening to me, you are really going through the absolute test of your life. What time is it? It's time to trust the Lord. You need guidance. There's confusion in your life. Confusion in your marriage. You need direction. And when you pray, it doesn't seem to open. There's still that confusion. You don't know which way to turn. You say, God, what am I going to do? I'm waiting for your voice. I'm leading. I'm waiting for direction. The Bible says, stand still and know that I am God. And when there's confusion and when you don't have direction, you don't know which way to turn. You cry out to God and you rest. What time is it? Time to trust the Lord. Folks, are you getting it? Are you understanding that God is still looking for a people who are not going to accuse him of letting them down? You're not going to accuse him of being less faithful than your earthly parents or your husband or your wife. He cares about you. He's concerned about it and he's not going to let you down. I don't want to ever have to stand before the Lord and hear him say to me, David, hold thou man of little faith. Why didn't you remember the miracles I did for you? Why didn't you understand and lean on my promises? Why did you doubt me? If you had only known what was yours, if you had only known what belonged to your peace and to your rest. And folks, I've repented before the Lord of seasons of unbelief and doubt and fear in my life. And I said, God, if you'll just help me, every time I get into a place like this, I'm going to say, it's time to trust the Lord. And this is what the Holy Spirit put to my face, and with this I close. He said, David, when? You've been serving me for years now. You've been in the ministry for years. You've been preaching since you're eight years old. You preach faith. When are you going to fully trust me? Completely. And lay everything in my hands and rest. There remaineth a rest of faith for the children of God. Will you stand, please? I want you to look this way, if you will, please. Balcony in the main floor. The Holy Spirit is so faithful. He knew before you walked into this church this morning what you needed. And you know what you needed? You needed your faith jogged. Your confidence stirred. Or you can say, oh God, no matter what, I want to show you that I trust you. That I'm going to rest in you. Now folks, that, what, you know what that means? You lay down your fears. You lay down your anxieties. You say, Lord, 
I'm not going to try to figure this out. I'm just going to seek you with all my heart. The Lord's made it clear to me if I would just cry to him, seek him with all my heart, love him. And just like a simple child, give it over to him. And put my whole life, my future, everything I am and all I have, just put it in his hands. Say, Lord, here, you take care of it. You see me through. Hallelujah. He wants to do that. Now, some of you that are going through a trial, a deep, severe trial, you're being tested. I want you to bring your doubts and your fears and your anxieties and lay them at this altar and ask God to baptize you this morning with a new spirit of faith, the faith of Christ himself. Now, if you're backslidden, if you're going cold, if the Lord's spoken to you in any other way, come and join these that are coming up in a balcony. Go to either stairs on either side and come down any aisle. And we'll pray with you and believe the Lord. Hallelujah. And ask the congregation, balcony, and those who came forward, the whole congregation for just a moment. Let me ask you a question. As you stand here before the Lord, and, and in dead honesty, absolute, total honesty, can you say in your heart, as you stand here now, that you fully, completely trust the Lord with all your heart? Or are you standing here saying, no, brother, I, I, I get so many doubts and fears that flood through my mind. You say, well, that's just natural. But God doesn't want us to live in that kind of naturalness. He wants us to come into the supernatural. He wants us to move into faith and to live that way. God wants us to live without fear. He wants us to live wholly committed to his keeping power. Those who came forward, do you believe this is God's word? Do you believe he keeps it? And that every word's for you? All right, then listen to it. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Where does it come from? From the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not sleep. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon the right hand. The sun shall not smite you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. That's his word. In my distress, I called on the Lord and he heard me. Deliver my soul, Lord. Deliver me. And he will deliver you this morning from your fears. Folks, God... In Christ, was flabbergasted when he saw it in his disciples. He was shocked. He was hurt. And I believe he's, he's overwhelmed and flabbergasted when after all he's done for us, we still doubt him. It doesn't suit him any more today than it did with his disciples. And he would say to some of us standing here, No, you have little faith. Why don't you believe my word? Why won't you commit yourself to to my keeping power? Why won't you just give your life over to me? Why don't you lay your fears and your anxieties down and let me handle it? Raise both hands to the Lord. The Bible said, I would men everywhere lift holy hands. And I want you to pray, you that came forward, pray this prayer loud and clear. Jesus, you're my help and my strength. And you've promised to deliver me from all my sins, all my lust. And you promised to keep me from falling. You promised to hold me. You promised to keep me in all my ways. And I believe your word. I confess my sins. 
I confess my need. I need you, Lord. I need faith. I need simple trust. Forgive my unbelief. I repent of my doubts and my unbelief. Pluck the fear out of my heart. I come to you, Jesus, now to be baptized with faith. Help me to trust. I will trust you, Lord, in my present condition, in my crisis, in my trouble. Hear my cry and deliver me. And I believe you will. Now just thank him in your own words for doing it. Lord, I thank you. You will deliver us from our fears and our bondages and our sins. What a mighty God we serve. This is the conclusion of the message.